This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. NCAA softball, baseball, a lot of stuff happening around the Sun Belt, meetings with ADs, coaches, everything, trying to sort out off-season stuff, expansion on the table, I don't know, Jeremy seems to think so, we're going to talk about that here, but you know, a lot going on, even though it's the off-season for some of our major sports here on the uh, Fun Belt podcast, guys, what are we going to talk about today? Well, you know, it, it's sort of we're, we've hit that kind of dead season, right, Tibbs? But there's some no. business. No, 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 no. It's dead. No, I mean, we got baseball. It's dead for us. It's, we have it's the NCAA. It, it's, it's been for dead for us for, I mean, since uh, this time last year. But, I mean, we have an NCAA. We have two NCAA regional teams in softball. We have mm-hmm. the final week our weekend series of college baseball before everybody heads to Montgomery or everybody except for us, Jeremy. And yeah, and maybe, uh, you know. We're not going. And and also Marshall, yeah, we're we're yeah the fantastic trio there. We're we're not going anywhere close to Montgomery. We don't get to go. Shane gets to go. Shane I, gets to go. I will not go. I will watch, but I will I not mean, go. Spiritually, I, I appreciate you standing in solidarity that if we don't get to go, you won't go, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Arkansas State got closed out by Appalachian State. Was ahead in all three games over the weekend. Lost all three games. They really needed to win at least two out of three to stay in that. So they're out. ULM out as of last week. And like you said, Marshall. So it's really these last remaining games are just kind of like, you know, just a formality, right? We've got one conference uh, set still to play. That's right, right? But, there's there's but, nothing but, over yeah, the, it, it's this weekend, but it it has a great close to the season. You tell the the Cajuns uh-huh. headed to Hattiesburg to yeah. face Southern Miss. Southern Miss currently tied with Coastal Carolina for the lead. Yes, the Cajuns, if they can get a sweep, mm-hmm. I believe have the head to head with Coastal, and would actually backdoor a regular season championship. Wow, that would be so like the Cajuns, would it not? Just to come swooping in while the powerhouses beat each other up. But I still sit corrected because I just looked it up. And actually, Coastal Carolina, I I was thinking that they they took two games, but uh, I forgot it was an 11-inning thriller that Coastal actually won 3-2. to So Coastal does have the head-to-head. So you have to kind of pull for... Coastal Carolina to trip up in their season finale against uh-huh. Marshalls. Don't think that's going to happen, but Marshall with nothing else to play for could play spoiler and wind up bumping a top 10 Coastal Carolina team out of the regular season title. You know, I, I, I feel like Coastal's firing on every single cylinder. I believe they beat North Carolina tonight. Again, I think they swept that little rivalry. 
So th- those guys, you know, they they kind of came out of not, I wouldn't say they came out of nowhere. They're they're a former national champion, but I don't think anybody really expected Coastal Carolina to be the top team in the Sun Belt this year. But here they are, and maybe that's kind of one of the reasons why the Sun Belt really wanted Coastal Carolina was to 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 put a little more polish on that baseball portfolio, and they're doing the job. Way to go! I Shannon. thought it was because of the cool uh, teal color. No, that, you know, by the way, teal is so 1990s. Do you guys remember the 1990s when everything was teal? Everything was teal. Cars were teal. Houses were teal. Clothes, clothing were teal. And about every new sports franchise that came off the block were teal. So no, I, I cannot stand teal. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was buying like you know San Jose Sharks t-shirts at that point in my life knowing nothing about san jose or hockey but uh charlotte hornet teal yeah (laughs) it was like oh god what the what the hell is with all this teal it looks gross too like it doesn't age well like you'll see cars from the 90s and and they're teal colored and they just look terrible i i don't know what was the i don't know what what happened to our society that we woke up and said the answer is teal, but for a while, a good five years, maybe eight years, it was teal. And now we continue the teal with the Chanticleers. And I, I guess that's okay. They can have teal. If that's I'm with Shane. I, I, I had a San Jose Sharks shirt and hat. So, you know, I, 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 I was all about it. It looked really <laughs> handsome at the time. But now, you know, we've all grown. We've matured. We know better now. We haven't matured. We might have grown, but we haven't matured, Jeremy. Ah, so all right, but you know what? Here's the thing too about the baseball season. It, it felt like Southern Miss was sort of faltering all year long, and then suddenly they've won like 40 games, and they're like one of the top teams in the country. I don't know if they pulled it all together at the end, but did you hear the news too that the coach? I think I think the coach is leaving. Did you guys see that? Scott Barry hanging yeah. it up. After I think it, I think I read somewhere it was 30, 40 years in the game, fourteen wow. at at Southern Miss. He, that's a guy who knows when to leave when he's on top. You know, you don't leave when you're like you win like five conference games. You leave when you got nothing left to prove. I'm out of here. That's what that guy's. Yeah, I mean, one day that's how I'm going to leave the show. I'm going to deliver like this awesome plug promo or parting shot that is just so drop draw droppingly good and then i'll be like peace i'm out of here guys and you guys will wave you'll be like i i don't blame you leave on top we won't understand you anyway because you'll break up just like you just did fuck <laughs> so w- with baseball season winding down i mean you talked about carol uh, coastal carolina being atop the standings maybe a little bit of a surprise there are there any other really big surprises that you've really seen this season in, yeah. in your take of, of uh, the games? I will. I did not expect James Madison to be I, I, like James Madison's not going to win the Sun Belt, but I did not expect James Madison to be like a, a competitive baseball team. I believe they had a sweep over the weekend. Is that not right, Shane? Did they not sweep their, their opposition? They did not sweep, but they took two or three from Old Dominion, which I, I'm like you, not yeah. something I uh, was predicting from uh, the Dukes. Um, 
that, I mean, they're on the verge of 30 wins this season. Yeah. They're, they are, I mean, my colleague, our friend Noah Fleischman on another <laughs> show earlier today, I heard him talking JMU baseball and, um, you know, like he said, this JMU team probably would have won the CAA, which is something they had not done in a long time playing in their previous conference. And they step up in competition and they, and they uh, play, play better than I think anybody expected JMU to play baseball this year. Yeah, amongst my bitter Red Wolves colleagues, we, here's what, here was the, the prevailing wisdom that the only program that we would be better than at baseball this year would be James Madison. And once again, James Madison just poo-pooed all over that. I, so, I mean, for JMU fans, I think entering the Sun Belt, if they had one program they were worried wouldn't be competitive in the Sun Belt, it was the baseball program. And, you know, they're going to have a tough time. I mean, going down to Georgia Southern is not going to be easy this week, but if they take, if they can win that series, they might finish fourth, which is like way, way better than anybody expected. You know, like it's, they're not, they're not Southern Miss, they're not coastal, but they're much more competitive than, people expected year one now is 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 kind of the way james madison is surprising is is georgia southern a little surprising in that we're not talking about them in the way we're talking about coastal and the cajuns and and southern miss i think so i mean just based on where they were last year what they have as a program the support they have you, you know you kind of expect them to be there year in year out right you don't necessarily expect them to go get swept by their rival Georgia state. Like, you know, it's yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, you pretty, pretty easily could have uh, expected JMU and Georgia Southern to switch spots and, you know, by the end of the week, maybe they will because it's still pretty tightly bunched and they've got to play each other this week in Statesboro. But yeah, surprise that right now we're talking about JMU maybe finishing top five and not Georgia Southern. Yeah, I believe Ben Moore, our good friend Ben Moore of Georgia State, took great glee in Georgia State, beating up on Georgia Southern over the weekend. So congratulations for Georgia State. I, I, I the, That team seems to be doing fairly well for Georgia State, hammering out a lot of home runs, which uh, makes the fans happy. Tibbs, do you have any any team that kind of took you by surprise, either good or bad? Um, I'm gonna go actually. Maybe I'm 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 homering still. Uh, Troy, I <laughs> I think that the Troy Trojans have really put it together. They yep. are uh have a solid pitching staff. I saw it was like 560 something strikeouts on the season. Um, they're legit, and I I think you combine that with the home run. Uh, hitting of Shane Lewis, currently second in the NCAA with 26 home runs, most Ooh. in the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah. They're a force to be reckoned with. It'll basically be some home games for them when they're in Montgomery, just uh, about an hour away from Troy. So I look forward to seeing what the Trojans can do, and maybe they can make a little noise there in the postseason. That's a good pick. Yeah, it, it seems like the tournament might be a little bit wide open this year kind of like basketball was, although baseball legitimately good. Basketball, just an amusing 
conference sport right now. And I, I think it's interesting, and we'll talk about it later on with our guest, uh, Jay Walker. You know, the, the Cajuns, they're literally beating their opponents in that they are just pounding out the hits. They're solid defensively, but their pitching has been terrible this season. Yeah. Which is not something you expect from the Cajuns. I always, no, you I expect the complete opposite. Yeah, when I think of the Cajuns, I always think great pitching. So, uh, yeah, so sort of doing the doing a little bit of a judo flip on that one. So again, a very interesting tournament. It does seem like there has been a lot of offense in general in the Sun Belt this year. That that's just me looking at from the outside in, not really weighing the 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 numbers. But it does seem like that there is a lot of hitting in the Sun Belt this year, which I, I always think comes in handy, especially late in the season. Uh, so good. I hope. I hope that after the Sun Belt tournament, we see multiple entries into the NCAA and do a little bit better this year in the NCAA tournament. I, I hope that 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 we've kind of toughened up a little bit. We've got the experience and we can kind of move forward a little bit. So we talked a little bit, Tibbs, about the conference meeting, the Sun Belt conference meeting, the spring meeting, a little bit last week. Didn't really, I don't know. We we don't really know what the agenda is. We know what, kind of what they, they want to talk about. They're meeting now. So Shane had mentioned earlier offline that the basketball people were there. Are we going to see, like a couple of years ago, one of the big things that came out of the spring meeting <laughs> was a real big focus on scheduling, that there would be more peer scheduling, that there would be a, a, a greater effort on, on toughening up that schedule so that the, the, the league as a whole could rise up in the net rankings. I don't know if we've been successful in that. Do you think that there's anything else that's going to come about with the basketball coaches coming into town, what they might have to say? I mean, um, I definitely think it's it's something that we've seen, that the scheduling has improved and the net has improved. And, and this year we'll see it again. I mean, I, I look at some of the early games that have already been released. Texas State goes to Houston. They go to Sam Houston State now of Conference USA and then host UTSA. ULM is moving into Texas because they'll play Houston, Lamar, Sam Houston, Jacksonville. So I I feel like the days of champion Baptist and the 100-point wins are (laughs) going to be few and far between. You're still going to have, I think, one of those a year. But I I don't think that you're going to see three and four of those games anymore. I mean, for a long time. Arkansas State was like a lot of those type of NAIA teams. And then the SWAC, it seemed like we, we, we all we play is the SWAC. Coach uh, Brian Hodgson has promised that the, that the schedule is going to get a lot tougher. How about you? Have, what have you heard, Shane Metlin, with your reporter's ears to the ground? Have you well, heard anything uh, bubbling, seeping to the surface? I, I talked to one person who was – heading to the airport today to go down there <laughs> and uh, for basketball. Yeah. They, they did mention two things. Um, the scheduling to improve net, like we talked about. Yeah. And the other thing this person mentioned was that they were um, looking forward to going to the officiating seminar to see what they had to say about the, uh, the, the women's basketball tournament, and, uh, the uh, 
six <laughs> players on the floor at the end of the still the, bitter. The, yeah. So that was Troy, right? Was that Troy that that was Troy? Him? Yes, that lost yeah. when uh, they didn't have enough. <laughs> they didn't have enough people to guard all six players on the floor. Yeah, that is rough. Yeah, that yeah. is that's a, that was a rough deal. <laughs> I can't believe that's going to be a discussion, but okay. Uh, you know, apparently, I guess yeah, that kind of that kind of stuff comes up as they talk about um, officiating and points of emphasis and how to improve. I guess every aspect of uh, the sports that they talk about down there that that's some they have a seminar where they uh, talk to officials about things like that. Yeah, and one thing we also mentioned last time we talked about this, uh, and 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 Tibbs made a good point. Yeah, the net has gotten better. This 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 sort of Mac Sunbelt challenge is going to make all, a big difference too. So, so and that's going to make a big difference to way with the schedule looks like, because it used to be for the Sunbelt, everything non-conference happened November and December. And then after that, it was nothing but conference for the rest of the year. Now we get that break, which I think is going to be really interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, and I, I guess too that that's going to make conference play come a little bit earlier. Is that right? Maybe we'll see it more earlier in December. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work, or if it's just you know one maybe one week where you got to play an extra game, or you play one less conference game, or I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but. Um, I do know that the <clears throat> SEC does that Big 12 challenge, and mm-hmm. that seems to push their conference a little earlier in the season. Like, they, yeah. they get started a little bit earlier. So I don't know if that's going to do the same for the Sun Bowl or not. I, I'll, be look, yeah. I'll be looking at the conference with great interest – or the uh, – I'm sorry, the schedule with great interest when that happens. Yeah. But, well, I don't know. Maybe they'll do it like the ACC does, <clears throat> or sometimes they'll play a random conference game in, like, mid-December – Mm-hmm. And then their next conference game is not till like late January. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the ACC does weird stuff sometimes with their scheduling, so maybe it'll do something like that. But would you rather have an earlier schedule of conference or do kind of like the Southland did uh, either last year, maybe two years ago, where they had kind of a midseason uh, tournament, and that is kind of what played into seeding for the postseason tournament. <clears throat> Explain that. We mean a midseason tournament. They went and did a kind of round robin matchup midseason, like right around December, January. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty crazy and interesting. Yeah. I wonder if anybody will follow that model. I don't think anybody has because I don't know if the Southland is doing that again. Mm. Well, they lost their bowling conference. So. Pretty much, they're probably in a state of complete disarray. <laughs> For sure. I, I get nothing. So, all right. So, all right. So, basketball is coming. The, you, uh, Shane says the football coaches and staff coming later. That will probably be when the news starts sprinkling out. I did write an article, guys, for howraiser.com because we, we were talking about this earlier in the week and I, I, I we start talking about about possible expansion we kind of laughed it off but the news that, that's been coming up in the last couple of days has been kind of what what's going on with the pac-12 the pac-12 is having one hell of a time coming up with a broadcast agreement 
Meanwhile, the big wigs from the ACC, Florida State and Clemson, rumbling about leaving, perhaps, maybe going to the SEC. I don't know, maybe going to the Big Ten, you know, kind of like what Texas and Oklahoma did. You know, Pac-12, according to SI, Sports Illustrated, is pretty much already has San Diego State in the bag, reportedly looking at SMU, UNLV which probably is one of these schools that has the greatest growth potential being out there in Las Vegas. Uh, it's being looked at, I think, by the Big 12 and the Pac-12. So there's going to be more realignment, which means that the weak is going to get weaker and the strong are going to get stronger. So I thought to myself, the only way the Sun Belt survives is just to get bigger. I'm talking mega conference bigger. I'm not talking about going up to 16 or 18, but 20 freaking teams. Make it so big it cannot fail. The Sun Belt, too big to fail. Guys, what do you think of this? Is this the only way to survive? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean... Okay. <laughs> for one, I guess for one thing is, where are any of the current Sun Belt teams going? Uh, you know, it's I, to me... I mean, it's not a matter of them going. It's a matter of being phased out from relevance. Being that if you only have 14, 14 teams to look at, and then you have these well-moneyed conferences just blowing them away in terms of broadcast exposure. So if you have more footprint, more eyeballs, more people interested, that's where the strength comes in. You just but have... Wait. For for our listeners, because I know we we don't do video, Shane, I want you to describe Jeremy's face for my, for for my next statement. Hey, Jeremy, we're bringing back Idaho, baby. Oh fuck no! <laughs> yeah, okay, th- yeah, this is part of my thing though. Is like, okay, if you're gonna go to twenty, okay, who are those twenty gonna be, and are are they gonna be any teams that like actually do bring any more interest? Are you gaining anything by? bringing in you know missouri state and no. eastern kentucky none and, of those okay no no don't don't no all right one rule number one jay vandals okay. no more fcs okay that's what conference usa is doing it's and it's you know what that's doing it's giving the power five reasons to say hey look at how we've diluted this product we're bringing in all these fcs guys in here pretty soon we're gonna have 150 programs why should I, Alabama, be on the same footing with Eastern Washington? It's not fair. So all we're doing by elevating all these programs, and we've done that. We at the Sun Belt have, are guilty of that, but we stopped. We're not doing it anymore, and we got to stop doing it. We can't just start filling places with more FCS pro- programs. Somebody said to me, let's get Missouri State. No, Missouri State does, brings nothing to the table. It only creates more ammunition for the power five to say we're going to break off we're going to build our own league and you guys no what we need to do is get rid of some some of we need to pick on the weak link and that weak link is conference usa we just need to post the rest of those guys and i know that you hate louisiana tech tech tips but we gotta have we gotta have uh i forget who else is even in uh, CSC USA now. You want Liberty also? 
I, God, I grit my teeth. I gnash my teeth. Yes, we got to get in Liberty. Do we have to get in WKU, Western Kentucky? Absolutely. And you know who else we need to grab? They're New Mexico in- State. No, we can leave New Mexico State out. But we can get the Army. Wouldn't you love to have Army? To, to <laughs> quote you that. from what you just said about Idaho, fuck no, I don't want Army. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I would love Army. All they do is play the Sun Belt anyway. We'd love that. You would love that. Yeah, but the thing, everybody, the thing everybody loves about the Sun Belt is that it's regional. Yeah. And you're wanting to go to upstate New York. <laughs> that is true. Okay. Yes, but Army is America's team, Shane. There's yeah, no region true. there. Army protects us all. Okay. Whether it's make California them, or Maine or Florida or Wisconsin. Make them play their home games in Nashville and it might work. But like, <laughs> They wouldn't care. Yeah, they could just move the base. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to relocate West Point to, to Middle Tennessee. <laughs> uh, listen. Listen, I know you guys are calling me a crackpot. I can see, I can feel it. But what I'm amongst other things, but what I'm describing to you, Tibbs, is the future. And you need to get on board. This needs to be the Fun Belt Podcast stance. We need to go ahead, write up a proclamation, and send it to, to Commissioner Gill immediately. I'm disappointed that you're forgetting the roots of the Sun Belt. And not taking back Idaho, New Mexico State. I bet you wouldn't even want Middle Tennessee back in with the blue horse. That was the other one. Middle Tennessee State. We got to bring them back in. I hate them. We got to bring them back in. Just like you hate Louisiana Tech. Just like like Shane hates Liberty. Well, Shane hates every team and has an insult (laughs) comment for everyone. But we should have them all in. We should have a 20-league conference so big, so powerful, that even – the SEC begs for our mercy. So the Sun Belt got where it is now cool. okay. by mm-hmm. sort of bucking the big trends that everybody else is doing. They're, they're keeping it regional. They're keeping divisions. They're keeping mm-hmm. old rivalries and teams that make sense to play each other. I, I just don't necessarily see – I mean, some of these teams would still fit okay, now, and make sense. I know, and I've thought but, that. But but what what's the ultimate goal for the Sun Belt right now is maybe squeeze a little bit more money out of ESPN eventually. No, oh, yeah, sure. and get a team into the playoff and get the money from the playoff. Yeah, you add twenty teams, you're just diluting all of that. You're making it, you know, if you do get somebody to the playoff, then you're splitting it twenty ways, and. Yeah. I don't think Western Kentucky or Middle Tennessee, they'll be competitive, but they're not going to make ESPN say, you know what, actually, we'll give you $4 million instead of $2 million. Like, I just adding, don't think they're going to. Adding six more teams gives us six more chances to get into that tournament. That's what it does. I don't care so if we here, get a little bit of money up. Yeah. Here's two teams. If I'm Commissioner Gill, All right. and, and, and I've had a few too many – beverages and and i decide to partake in howlraiser.com's outlandish <laughs> article <laughs> i'm going to tulsa oh ooh. i'm going to birmingham and getting uab i know you love even UAB. though even though that gives me three teams in one state 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who else that I like a lot that I, I wish we could get? And you guys are going to be like, Idaho. The reason, all right, first of all, the reason why I said no to Idaho and no to New Mexico State is for what Shane is saying. There is no regional rivalry action with any of those two teams. That's why they were a bad fit from the start. And that's why we got rid of them. I want rice. I want rice so bad, only because it it just completely increases the academic profile of the Sun Belt. We become like the 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 the, the Princeton's or the the Ivy League of the South with the addition of rice. You see, I like these teams that you guys are talking about now, <laughs> okay, but I good. feel like. But I feel like Sunbelt's in a position now where they can sit back and wait and see what happens with the Mountain West and the American and who the Pac-12 raids and who the Big 12 raids. And if the ACC is going to fall apart with these seven teams saying they're looking for a way out. I mean, you're talking about Rice. Okay. <laughs> Wake Forest. Where do they go if the ACC completely falls apart? Because – you look at their budget, it's the smallest Division I school by enrollment. Yeah. It's an hour away from App State. Their wow. stadium is the same size as App State. No kidding. Yeah, their, um, you know, their budget, I mean, right now their budget dwarfs the rest of the Sun Belt. It's like $80 million. But it's closer to the top of the Sun Belt than it is to the top of the ACC. It's definitely closer to the top of the Sun Belt than it is to the Big Ten. And wow. I mean, if the ACC is falling apart or it goes to unequal revenue distribution where they're not going to get paid the same as a Florida State or something, like maybe they start to look at, like, okay, the ACC isn't the league we joined. I'm not saying that's, like, likely to happen, but I think if you're a Sunbelt, you can sit back, wait, see what happens, and then swing big on teams that really fit you and maybe actually increase your profile quite a bit as far as like TV and things. What you speak is wisdom. You are reigning truth. And you know what's funny too, is I was reading something about the ACC today. And I think there's seven of those guys that have kind of carved themselves away yeah. from the others. The magnificent and seven. That's what they call themselves. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I'm guessing Wake Forest is not part of the Magnificent Seven. So if these other leagues start kind of falling apart and the Sun Belt could add, okay, add ECU and Wake Forest. I mean, that gives you three in North Carolina, but I don't, I don't necessarily see that like three in one state is like the end of the world. Get, get, if you can get ECU and Wake Forest and UAB and Rice or UAB and Tulane or something as everything goes crazy – Mm -hmm. then you're getting bigger and you're actually probably going to squeeze more money out of ESPN if you add those teams too. So North Texas? I, I'd love to get North Texas back. They're an OG. I, well, but 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 is, is that a team that moves the needle like we're talking about? Is that a huge addition rating <laughs> the, a, the AAC like Shane's proposal of getting Wake Forest? Uh I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know. I, Let I, me backtrack a little bit and say, I don't think getting Wake Forest is ever likely. No, no, <laughs> but Shane, you but said who knows what we are a, the, the scoop but, I got, Tibbs, was that we are getting Wake Forest into the Sun Belt. And this I'm is saying, an exclusive. 
But Shane Mitlin is a Heisman Trophy voter, so he definitely knows what he's talking about. I'm just saying that the Sun Belt has the luxury of sitting back and waiting and seeing yeah. what happens everywhere else because they're fine with their 14-team league the way it is right now. Like, wait and see what happens before, like, maybe having buyer's remorse for Western Kentucky or Louisiana Tech or somebody like that. All right, now – just kind of you did a little backtrack. I'm gonna do a little backtrack too. It kind of get out of the Sun Belt a little bit, although it'll eventually come back to the Sun Belt. <clears throat> if if the Pac-12 kind of does what they say they're gonna do, if they're gonna grab SMU, I'm sorry, not SMU, if they're gonna grab San Diego State and possibly UNLV, what does that do to the Mountain West, which is already down to 11 football programs? Are are we getting to a to a point where we're we're despite all this attrition, all this subtraction, are we going to lose a group of five conference? Are we going to the way it's set up now? I mean, it looks we could easily lose a couple. We could lose a power five conference, but are we in danger of losing a group of five conference, whether it is CUSA or the Mountain West? I think that there will be a conference that has most of those members in it. And I also think that it could be something like if we created the Southwest Conference again. Now, would it be great that, oh, we're a member of the Southwest Conference? You're damned right it would, but only if we were back in the 1980s. (laughs) I don't know. I look at, even if the Mountain West loses a couple of their brand names, it's still it's a better brand right now than Conference USA, and <clears throat> so if you're the Mountain West and you invite UTEP or New Mexico State or um, UTSA and just say you want to get into Texas, although they're going to the American, but like what I'm saying is like I think they could raid Conference USA pretty much anytime they wanted to survive. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Conference USA is probably the the conference on the chopping block. But I wonder too, if does the Mountain West and the Mac say, hey, let's take our, you know, five, six best teams and combine them and make a new conference. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some out of the box thinking that comes out of this to where we just sort of reshuffle everything. I'm I'm, I'm going to do pull a good old Ricky Bobby with this with all due respect, because I, I do like the Mac. They are definitely our, our brethren of the G5. But does anybody really want a MAC team? I mean, is the Big Ten knocking down doors saying, hey, Toledo, we want you? You know what's no. funny, Tibbs, is that whenever we talk about realignment, MAC teams are never, ever in the discussion. I mean, there's never like a move to, you know, Toledo could move to the Mountain West or Buffalo could uh, drift down to the AAC. You know, you never hear any of that. And I I don't know why, because Mac seems to have, you know, if you look at their athletic budgets, they're not bad. I mean, they're they're pretty good and they can compete. So I'm not sure why the Mac is just such a quiet uh, outlier of a conference Shane maybe you have some opinion on this because I I I just cannot I cannot understand why the Mac is so quiet 
I don't think they fit geographically with anybody that's looking for teams right now. Um, I mean, maybe like Miami of Ohio or Ohio fits with Marshall if the Sunbelt yeah. wanted to like, sorry, we'll talk talking about Sunbelt expansion again. No, but like um, who else has taken it? I mean, as good, I mean, Toledo could have like an awesome run. I mean, they're, they're pretty good in football. They're pretty good in basketball. It's a decent sized city and everything, but I mean, you're not grabbing them to go to the mountain West. You're not really grabbing them to go to the American. They don't fit there really. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Mac just belongs together. The, same yeah. way, the Sun Belt belongs together, but the Sun Belt right now, like, yeah. it, it's a group of schools that belongs together. The Sun Belt's a group of schools that belongs together. The thing the Sun Belt has going for it right now is they're selling out stadiums and things. The Mac doesn't really do that. Mac just does not have sex appeal. And I, I, I guess maybe because it's so damn cold. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what? It's some of the best football and basketball stories come out of the Mac and I just I just don't understand you know, why they have that sex appeal and for whatever reason you know the Sun Belt overlaps with the SEC and the ACC a little bit yeah but the Sun Belt schools are kind of able to step out of the shadow and make their own brand a little bit I mean it's still it's still tough I mean Jeremy, I mean, you complain about this. It's hard for Arkansas State to get away from the Razorbacks. I am absolutely sure. You're absolutely right. But, but, the, but when they're winning, they still kind of have their own thing where they step out of it to some degree. And, sure. um, you know, Marshall has its own thing. It's not sure. West Virginia University, but it's still got its own thing going in West Virginia. There's a lot of Marshall alums that are Marshall fans. Mm -hmm. But in Ohio, I think everybody goes to Kent State's an Ohio State fan. Yeah. And everybody goes to Eastern Michigan is a Michigan fan. I mean, like, I just, they they can't really escape that Big Ten big brother that's looming over them quite the same way the Sunbelt has, for whatever reason. I don't know what the difference is, really. Um, You know what? What we need to do is get, it's we over the summer we need to grab a Mac representative and have them explain this to us so that we can better understand. Or maybe you know, maybe, maybe the group of five guys could tell us. Tibbs, could the group of five guys clear this up for us? If we can get past Middle Tennessee with them, yes. <laughs> they love middle, they love middle Tennessee. <laughs> they all played there. I they know. all played and went to school there. So I mean, good for them for being true to their their roots there. Unlike you, Jeremy, already vacating Idaho, you want to erase them from the record books like they never existed. No Matt Leinard, no <laughs> Petrino, no Kibby Dome. Yeah, can we can we get the Kibby Dome, but nothing else? Like we just have the Kibby Dome. We can no, put Army because in it, the it, it, Dome. it's like built into the side of a mountain, like in a little <laughs> valley. It was it was amazing, Jeremy. It, it was be, amazing. Would it be a greater story if the Kibby Dome was carved out of an enormous potato? I think that would be like an even better story. Or if it was potato shaped, at least that would have it been kind of is. It's an old hanger. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right. You know what else we got? I guess we all we have is Jay. We, now, who's going to interview Jay? It, it's it's going to be you, Tibbs, right? You're going to interview. Yeah. Shane wasn't invited. 
Because because yeah. Shane had a Heisman Trophy voter meeting, and, and so oh, I see. Too. He's sort of big time Jay Walker. You know, Jay Walker is probably the most influential person in the Sun Belt, and you big time them. You're in trouble, man. Your career is over, Shane Metlin. <laughs> Pack your bags. You're off to Russia, buddy. <laughs> or Idaho. Moscow, oh. Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> Softball regular season is over. Two teams from the Sun Belt going into the postseason. And, of course, it's the conference champions that have won like a billion straight conference games there of the Raging Cajuns. Joining us, the voice of the Cajun softball, Jay Walker, joins us. Jay, welcome in. Always great to see you and talk with you. Always great to see you guys, too. I I didn't get to uh, do as many games on the radio as I would have liked. We have a... Uh, a guy who uh, who stepped in this year, Cody Juno, did a great job, but I followed the program as closely as anybody, so I'm glad to be here. So was it really that much of, of a surprise knowing that there was a stretch early on in the year, the team went 0-5? I mean, they were playing some top-10 caliber teams, getting a couple blowout losses from Oklahoma State, Florida State, but but I even said it then, and and, and I'll put some words in your mouth there, Jay. This team, I, I said this at the time, this team is a lot better than their record indicates. They're going to do big things. Is, is that a pretty fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, you know, I think you got caught a little bit early in the season. Um, you had a girl who was the freshman of the year in the Sun Belt who didn't play in that tournament in Clearwater because of an injury. You had another one who wound up hitting like a dozen home runs this year that wasn't even in the lineup then. Um the, I, I, you know, the whole thing with the Cajuns was their their record against the RPI top twenty five, which was not good. Um, and then you sit there and you think about what might have been. You had a one law, lo- a one run loss to Arkansas. You had UCLA beat with two outs in the seventh inning, and they got a base hit to tie it one at an extra innings. So you know they came very close to to perhaps. Um, having the kind of record you want to have in order to be able to host a regional. You also let a couple of games get away. I mean, you you lost a game to Michigan. You never should have lost and that sort of thing. But, you know, once again, uh, the team has won more than 40 games. Once again, they're the conference champions. And and once again, they're getting sent to Baton Rouge. I mean, it's like deja vu, deja vu, and deja vu. Jay, we talk about uh, uh, Sunbelt baseball often because uh, it, it, it seems to have really grown in strength over the last few years. Uh, of course, the Cajuns are always on top of that discussion as well. But how do you see softball growing in the Sun Belt? You know, you, you, you've seen the Cajuns dominate so much within the conference. Can the Sun is is Sun Belt softball growing just as quickly as baseball or is it still falling a little? Is it just a little bit behind? Um, it, it's pretty close, Jeremy. I, you know, it was just a couple of years ago that the Sun Belt had four teams in the NCAA tournament in softball. Uh, that was just a couple of years ago. Uh, last year they were one bid league. This year Texas State got in as an at large. But when you look at Louisiana, South Alabama, Troy, Texas State, those four teams have gotten to be pretty consistent when it comes to softball and they're usually in the mix for an at-large bid. Now, I think you can add Marshall to that. You know, we saw Marshall here at uh, Lamson Park uh, for the for the championships, 
they came in with a lofty record and a terrible strength of schedule. So we didn't know how good they were. Uh, but they went all the way to the final game, uh, gave the Cajuns all they wanted in a, in a game that Louisiana won one to nothing. So Marshall, in order to become part of the discussion for an at-large, they got they to make their schedule better. But if we're asking, was the team good enough to play in the NCAA tournament? I think the answer to that was yes. So now you're talking about five teams out of 12 that might be in the mix year in and year out for, for an at-large bid. I think all of them have a ways to go to catch the Cajuns. Um, you know, there's a reason why the Cajuns have won four tournaments in a row. There's a reason why they're, you know, in the top, uh, top 15 of the RPI. Uh, but those other teams are competitive and they're making the league better. South Alabama, heard a little uh, grousing from South Alabama fans about Texas State getting in and the Jaguars getting out. Do they have a beef? Oh, you know, you can make numbers look any way you want to. You know, they can say, hey, look, you know, we finished like three spots ahead of you, three and a half games ahead of you in the standings. We won two out of three from you. But Texas State's got a couple of top 10 RPI wins. And the committee looks very closely at who did you play? And more importantly, who did you beat? And I think those two wins that Texas State had um, against top 10 teams is what put them over the top. My understanding is they were the last team in. Um, but, uh, you know, so South Alabama, if you want to point it head to head, yeah, you can go ahead and groan. But if you want to, if you want to be an at-large team, you've got to play the kind of schedule necessary, and you got to win some of those games. Texas State did, and so they're in the tournament. So we've seen players come and go with the Cajuns. We've seen coaches come and go, but it's still the same result. What's the secret to the success on the Bayou there? Man, you know, I, I honestly think that Cajun softball is a great story. Um, you know, they got – they started the program. Um, Yvette Gerard, who's a Hall of Fame coach, uh, was named the coach of the team. She was paid a part-time salary. Um, her mother actually handmade the first uniforms that they wore. Um, and she went recruiting and, and slept in her car because they didn't have. So, you know, she went from that to building a nationally recognized program. And, uh, you know, they have been now for more than 30 years. They have been a team that has been nationally respected. And what winds up happening is you're able now to go ahead and, and when you call somebody and say, hi, uh, you know, if you're an assistant coach, say, hi, you know, we're from Louisiana and we want to talk to you. They want to listen. Uh, because it's a, it's a program that you want to be a part of and, and dusty look, you know, you've been down here before when, when recruits come here during, during the season and they see what the atmosphere is like at Lamson park, trust me when I say they want to be a part of it because there are a lot of schools in the power five that don't have nearly as nice a facility or nearly as nice a crowd support or nearly the passion that they have here. And, and, and on that note, Jay, I don't think it's that they want to be a part of it. I just don't think they want to be against it if they go somewhere else. <laughs> well, that's a possibility, too. 
that is certainly a possibility. But no, they and and look, Jerry Glasgow came in with a a ton of uh, ton of connections. He's recruited extremely well. I think the thing about this Cajun team this year, when you look at the the, the lineup every day, um, you had one senior in the lineup, and and you had two juniors, and then the rest are all freshmen and sophomores. Um, so this was a very was a very young team lineup wise. Now you had a you know you had a, se- a senior two senior pitchers in Megan Sherman and Kendra Lamb. Well, in a third in Carly Heath who was the player of the year in the league, but was a two-way player. Um, but when it comes to, to the lineup, it was very, very young, and boy, there's a lot of talent there. So you get to travel east down I-10 for the Friday game against Omaha to kick off, and then LSU or Prairie View A&M. Is this a bigger game more for the kind of regional rivalry and, and maybe the, the flag of the state, or is it bigger for the Sun Belt or both? Well, you know, I think I think it's big both ways. Now, you know, the Cajuns and Tigers play every year, and they didn't used to. Um, neither Yvette Girard nor Beth Tarina was willing to cage uh, to schedule the Cajuns under the previous coaching staff. But now that Jerry Glasgow is the coach, um, they play in what they call the, the the LSU crossover where they put a tournament together and they'll play one day in Baton Rouge and the next day in Lafayette or vice versa. And they did that early in the season. They split two games, Cajuns won in Baton Rouge, Tigers won uh, in Lafayette. I think that there are a lot of people that are kind of tired of seeing these two teams play in the same regional. Um, I, I really think that they're, you know, and I think LSU fans in, in a way share all of this where they'd like to see the Cajuns go someplace else. Because, you know, first of all, you'd like to bring new teams into your park. But secondly, the Cajuns have won their share. And this is a team this year that arguably should have been selected to host a regional. So it's um, it's going to be very competitive. Um, two teams get after each other. You know, I think the, the, the teams have a lot of respect for one another. The fans don't. And uh, so it gets uh, can get a little testy uh, inside the park. But, you know, uh, the Cajuns have an opportunity this weekend, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. We haven't talked since basketball. Cajuns got robbed again in the NCAA tournament there, and ironically against Tennessee. What does Bob Marlin do next? Well, he re-recruits his entire team um, because, you know, you, I think now you have to. Um, and, you know, we saw we saw Jeremy go through that at Arkansas State, you know, losing a, a guy like Omir. Um, it, it's it's hard now. Uh, and, you know, you, um, you the, the point guard Themis folks decided to um, enter the portal and then he pulled his name out. And now uh, the portal is closed for Jordan Brown. But the question is, does he turn professional or does he come back for one more year? And I think that that's a story that is still to be written. Um, you know, they you, you lost a couple of uh, of solid senior guards and Jalen Dalcourt and Greg Williams Jr. Um, and they're you know they've signed a junior college guard and they've signed a couple of freshmen. You know, we'll see. But you know, hey, the potential success for next year all centers around his number twenty one comeback. And if the answer to that one is yes, then you're going to contend again. And, of course, we always get to hear the legendary Jay Walker given the play-by-play on that. 
Uh, and I don't charge for autographs. <laughs> you should. That'd be a good revenue stream for you. No, Jay, you're oh. the one that needs to charge for autographs, Jerry. Ah, crying I out do. loud. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody reads your stuff, man. I do charge, but actually I'm the one who pays the fee. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, well, I'll take your money anytime. He autographs hundred dollar bills. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Oh, nice, nice. And so there's still people on. that turn him down. So thinking about the future, Jay, too, you know, football season is you know, kind of coming up. I think we're hitting June and July content, so it's getting kind of hard to, to to wrap our heads around football. But there's been a lot of transferring. There's been a lot of portal action. There's been a lot of rearranging of 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 of, of, of rosters. How's the how the Cajuns come out on that? Um, you know, I, I was going to say pretty well until about three weeks ago. Um, they, they, uh, you know, they had, had a couple of wide receivers, uh, went into the portal, one of them signed with Liberty and, you know, mm -hmm. but the Cajuns have had some receivers and, and I don't think they were getting hurt there, but then, you know, Trey Amos went into the portal. He was probably the best returning corner that the Cajuns had. He wound up signing with Alabama and uh, just this past week was the big blow. And as a graduate transfer, he was allowed to enter late, but Cam Podesclo, uh, the starting safety for the Cajuns. Uh, is is in the portal. That's a big loss because uh, I think he was maybe the top safety in the Sunbelt Conference, uh, top returning safety. So that's a blow. And, you know, Mike, Mike is different from most coaches in that the Cajuns don't use the portal. They prefer to bring kids in and develop them. And 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 I understand to a great extent why that's the case, because the portal's a double-edged sword. You can get some talent, okay? But as Richie Riley at South Alabama has learned, you can also wind up recruiting somebody else's problems. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that hurts South Alabama uh, until this past year because they brought in some D2 transfers who were so happy to be there. Sure. But, but, they had that, but, but year in and year out, they've had some chemistry issues that they didn't have this past year, which is why they made it to the championship game. So I understand Mike's philosophy because so much of this, what the Cajuns have done since the arrival of Billy Napier has been, has had everything to do with chemistry and culture. Yeah. My and, thought about the transfer portal has always been that while the, uh, Power five grabs the stars from the group of five. It's the group of five getting the malcontents from the power five. And then you, you do, you realize, oh, wow, this is why this guy's having problems with the roster on, on their last rosters. Now we got to yeah. fix that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, sometimes you wind up getting some good ones. But uh, but you take the chance every time you go into the portal, especially if it's somebody from a, a power five, that you wind up taking the chance of hurting your locker room chemistry. Tony Robichaux is one of the smartest human beings I've ever met in sports. And he used to say chemistry can make a great team average or an average team great. And um and we've learned that. We learned that in the years that, that Billy Napier was here and now with, with Mike as well. The Cajuns have played above their talent level, I think, when you take a look at what they've done the last five years, because their chemistry and their culture has been outstanding.
I think you can look at uh, James Madison in the same way, Jay. I mean, they came in with a a roster full of uh, FCS um, players. And because they're, they're, the team chemistry was so good, everybody's on the same page, everybody's excited to be there, did really well in the Sun Belt. So, yeah, that, I, 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 I agree 100% with what you're saying, Jay. It's really more about the culture and chemistry than it is in a lot of ways about team talent. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think that's one reason why Jake Spavital wound up being unemployed, you know, because he would go out, he wouldn't even recruit high school kids. He'd bring in all transfers. And where did it get him? Well, it got him a buyout, but that was about all it got him. Um, I, I, I think you got to be careful with the portal. I think that you can use it to your advantage, but man, that means that you've got to go out and vet each and every recruit to make sure that they're not going to be a cancer in your locker room. Yeah, absolutely. You're right about Spavadol. It looked like me and, uh, and Tibbs were talking about, man, is this the future of 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 built team building is simply go all portal and nothing else it it seems like either it, it was an idea that was ahead of its time or an idea that was just flawed from the beginning i guess i guess only paper if we just saw that it doesn't always work out in reality mm-hmm. yeah true and true. we saw that at south alabama basketball too it, it took a while for south alabama to sort of mesh and, and gel they they were at a basketball team that was built almost exclusively on the transfer portal seemed like the team to beat last season didn't really gel until this season. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to watch. Well, and, and it's interesting to note too, that the two best players in South Alabama's team, the two leading scorers were D2 transfers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's gone out and signed a couple of more. He's he's, I think he's realized that, Hey, wait a minute. I can I can find some of these kids that are hungry to play in Division One, hungry to to come in and show that they can compete at this level, and are going to come in. They're going to be good teammates, good students. It worked for him last year. It got him to a championship game. We'll see if it works for him again. Jay, as you shake the magic eight ball, we're we're still uh, a couple months away from Sunbelt Media Days. Who do you see being the top dog whenever we're we're meeting in late July? You know, I look, I think I think it's going to be Troy in South Alabama again on the west side. And I once again, I think I give the edge to Troy there. You know, James Madison is once again not eligible. How stupid is that? Okay, I mean, let let me just let me just say that. How stupid is that now? But they're not eligible again. And I and I think that leaves the east wide open. You know, I'm. You know, Coastal's got McCall back, but they've got a new coaching staff. Um, you know, has Marshall improved enough from last year to to get over the top? What's Georgia Southern going to be like in year two uh, with with their coaching staff? I think that with James Madison out of the conversation, I I think the East could be all over the place. And I didn't even mention App State, who I gotta believe is going to be better. You know, after after you know, really pooping to bed last year, if you want to get down to it. So, I, I don't know about the East, but I but I sure do like the two Alabama Alabama schools in the West. I I agree with that. I think once again, the road to lifting the trophy from uh, Commissioner Gill goes through Alabama. Yep, yep, I think so. 
Jay, always great talking with you. Look forward to seeing you in person, getting that free autograph there in late July when we're all celebrating in New Orleans on the streetcars going up and down uh, St. Charles Avenue. Yeah, it's going to be um, – got a fun weekend coming up. Cajun baseball's at Southern Miss to close out the regular season. Then, of course, uh, we'll be in Montgomery next week for the conference tournament. And and then we've got time off. I hate this time off, guys. I hate it. <laughs> I don't – I mean, I'm, I'm good for the first couple of weeks and then it's like, okay, now what do I do? And, um, you know, I'm, you know, I was fortunate enough last year that the baseball team won the tournament and I got an extra week. Um, I'm, I'm going to hope for that again, uh, again this year, but it's going to be fun in Hattiesburg this weekend. I can tell you that. Beware of the oars. So we had a great conversation with Jay talking about Cajuns through and through, mostly softball, as, as they get ready to head east to Baton Rouge for that NCAA regional kicking off on Friday. I guess you can't really kick off a softball. What, what do you do, Jeremy? Uh, th- uh, hmm. Underhanded? Uh, throw it? I don't, you know, I don't know. But here's the thing with Jay. We touched on almost everything with Jay. Jay's such a good ambassador for, uh, for uh, the Cajuns. It was, it was good talking to him. He, as always, yeah. love talking to Jay. But what Shane loves even more than talking with Jay, since he wasn't there for it, yeah, he loves some plugs, promos, and parting shots. And and because I know that y'all are on the struggle bus, uh-huh. trying to come up with this, and let me help you. On out. The okay, all right. So. When you have a job, you you get your bank of vacation time, you get your sick leave, right? Shane, how how much time could you take off if you were sick from work? Um, I've got, I think, three weeks of whatever I need time off. It's not great. Three weeks. Jeremy, what does your boss allow you as as a small business owner? Uh, Well, you know, the the theoretically, it's an infinite amount of time. But really, it's maybe about six hours. <laughs> I, I can't afford to take any time off. An IBM employee yeah. left his job when he was sick. Okay. And he's been on that leave for 15 years. <laughs> wow. He's living the dream. <laughs> and because of his medical retirement or sickness, as long as he remains disabled unable to work they pay him 75 percent of his check man how do we get this gig i i am with you however 75 uh-huh. percent, jeremy not enough oh. he has filed a disability discrimination suit against uh-huh. ibm because they did not give him a raise in the 15 years that he has been sick I, you know, he was probably due for a raise at least, you know, every five years or every few years, right? So give that man his raise, right? <laughs> I don't know the end of that story, but I, I just, I saw that and I was, I was dumbfounded by it. And, and so <laughs> somewhere in there, there's a moral to the story, but, but I, I missed it when I was like, dude, you're getting your check for 15 years. I, I, I would. Jeremy, I would own you in Call of Duty if I had 15 years of playing Xbox every day. And he wants more. That's the fun part. You know, here's the thing, too. I'm looking at the Fun Belt Podcast Employee Handbook, 
And I'm not seeing any time for for sick leave or anything, Tibbs. Tibbs, do I have to raise a complaint with HR? Uh, Shane? <laughs> oh, uh, Shane's HR? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And as soon as I get a paycheck for doing this, then I'll start looking into our uh, sick leave. All right. All right. The moment <laughs> we get paychecks, we can start maybe carving out sick leave into the bylaws of our employee contract. Shane, what do you have for us? Oh, hard to top that. Yeah, what you going to do? I'm just going to do a plug. Do it. A promo, the uh, the usual. All right. Check us out. DNR Sports Online. Or DNR Online slash sports to read uh, daily news record stuff. Um, mostly JMU right now, but as football season creeps closer and closer, you'll start seeing all kinds of stuff from all kinds of uh, Sunbelt teams. So, yeah, check that out. Now, Shane, in your byline, say uh-huh. Shane Metlin, sports editor and Heisman Trophy voter. It doesn't say either one of those things. Okay. Does it I'm say? Not the, not the sports editor, for one. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> Intrepid reporter yeah. and continuous <sighs> insulter of Appalachian State Athletics. No. Hey, no, because it doesn't fit. We'll go back. To uh, the teams that we think overachieved a little bit in baseball, I think Appalachian State's probably up there too. <laughs> Absolutely, love the Mountaineers. Absolutely, yeah. There's your parting shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to save your life because Appalachian State fans are closing in on you. They've got the they've got the drone hovering over your house. They're looking to take you down. You think you can appease them by by praising their baseball team? And I, by golly, I think that's going to work. I think yeah, you do. You just drop a little praise on those guys, and all is good. <laughs> Jeremy, give us your your infinite wisdom to close out this episode. Guys, do you remember being like a teen, like a a hormony teenage boy, and being excited for the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue? Yes. I, uh, before we go any further, I, c- I considered doing a uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, parting shot, and thought better of it. So uh, we'll let Jeremy <laughs> take it from here. <laughs> no, I did. I loved it. It was like, it, it was like, you know, because for the swimwear, of course, because I was very interested in fashion. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to see what the ladies were wearing. So I would, you know, collect the issues of Sports <laughs> Illustrated swimsuit for those you know they had some legendary models that would go through there like christy brinkley i think was was one of the star ones and later on some of uh, the name suddenly escaped me but I, I can see them in my mind but uh it looks like sports illustrated is coming out with its sports illustrated edition if, if you if you have the twitters and you follow sports illustrated they've been kind of pumping up some promos for that and some of the usual uh, models are in there. They've got some interesting ones. Remember the uh, the LSU player who got into sort of the row with the um, the the star from the star from uh, LS. Or, I'm sorry, the star from God. Where was she from? Iowa. Iowa. Oh, Iowa. That's right. She's in an Angel. What's her name? She's in the. She's in it. There's a yeah. There's a gymnast from Georgia. She's in it. <laughs> 
And so is 82-year-old Martha Stewart. She has a spread, and I believe she's going to be on one of the alternate alternate covers. And I'm going to get you guys' view on that. Martha Stewart, does that sort of move the needle for you? Will you be checking out what what maybe what she has inside the magazine? Hey, I didn't know that she was that old. (laughs) And she looks great. She does, and and you she know, I, I watched uh, her her uh, high life cooking or whatever show she did there with uh, Snoop Dogg. It yeah. was interesting to see that duo. Yeah, but no, it it is not something I'm going to go out of my way to <laughs> to get. Now, if, if if somebody maybe leaves one in a doctor's office, sure, might, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll thumb through. through that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Martha Stewart, Shane. You would yeah. you probably like you know as interest. As a, a reporter, you probably wouldn't want to see what's going on with that, right? I think she looks great, and I—I've always been a fan of older women, and uh, <laughs> you know, I think she looks great. Um, yeah. But I just don't think you talked about the nostalgia of the uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit <laughs> issue. You know, I, I remember—I remember the moment I saw Kathy Ireland, yes, and realized, oh, this is why those older guys in town do crazy things for for women um but but the 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 whole sports illustrated simpson issue just doesn't move the needle anymore i mean that's why they have to try to do outside the box things but it's just you know there's too much available everywhere for you know they've moved even the most beautiful woman in the world in a bikini is not really going to do it for most people anymore yeah you know what i think you're right i think that's why they've kind of tried to find sort of different ways whether it's cele- sports celebrities or or sort of uh they i've seen a lot of like online influencers getting involved uh maybe even uh you know actresses that are making comebacks i think megan fox is in there this year and then you have you know somebody like martha stewart and you're like okay well all right maybe you need this type maybe now it used to be tan lines were the issue now maybe the storyline is the issue for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. And you know what? I, I think I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to check it out and see see what 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 was the motivation for Martha Stewart to do that. And who knows? Maybe it's because she looks great in a swimsuit. Hey, Jeremy, when you get through with that, ship it my way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.